Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Um, so I'm going to read this morning from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, and, uh, and we'll see where is our confidence. So Luke chapter 3, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region of Judea, Uh, uh, all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you for all your many blessings to us. We thank you that this word was written down so long ago and preserved for us today. We pray that just as this word was good for the people in Jesus' time, this word would be good for us this morning. May this word not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, that it may change the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I have my book. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, Philip. And there we go. All right. I also have up here, looks like most of the kids went to kids' time, but I brought with me, I brought with me a calendar. And this calendar is not just any calendar. This calendar is Toby's calendar. And if you ask Toby, he can tell you, I really wanted the calendar from his wall because Toby likes to have a calendar on his wall and he marks off the days. Every night when he goes to bed, he crosses off the day that has come. And if you look, he's got written up ahead things that are coming, and he's counting off the days, marking the passage of time. And whether we actually do that physically on a calendar, as many of us do, I see, I see some other people nodding. Toby's not the only one who crosses off days on the calendar and likes to have a physical calendar to look at, but we like, we like to know, right? We like to know what is coming. We like the certainty of knowing that today is December 5th. And on December 25th, Christmas will be here. And all we have to do is mark those X's and nothing can stop the passage of time. We like that certainty of what's coming. The problem is for us, our big problem is that so much of life is uncertain. There are some things that we know. We know that when the sun sets and rises 20 more times, Christmas will be here. But there's much else that we don't know. We don't know what's gonna happen with our jobs. We don't know what's gonna happen with our families. We worry about our health. We worry about the health of our loved ones. We worry whether we're gonna have the money that we need. We're faced with much doubt and uncertainty in our lives. And we know that doubt, see doubt in itself, you know, doubt is just doubt, but what happens when we doubt? See, doubt then leads often to fear. 
and anxiety of what will come in the future. We doubt that we will have what we need. We wonder, will God keep his promises? Will he take care of us? And so then we start to experience anxiety and we start to experience fear. And it's that fear and that anxiety that then often leads us into sin, into bad decisions, into doing things that we should not do. Can you imagine the peace if you always knew what was going to happen? If you knew that everything was certain, if you knew that the, that the ways your children are talking to you right now are not going to last, that they're going to get better, that they're going to grow up and be mature and responsible adults, and you're going to have a wonderful relationship with them for the rest of your life. It would make parenting easier, would it not? What if you knew the certainty of health? If you knew you were going to be in good health for many, many years, what kind of job could you take? What kind of investments could you make if you weren't dealing with the uncertainty of what might happen? But yet when we get that fear and that anxiety, then we reach out and we try to protect ourselves and we, we buckle down and we react out of anger and we yell at people and we react out of fear and we, we grab things in and we hoard them instead of giving them away generously. If I know I'm going to get $100,000 next year guaranteed, I can give away all my money this year. But if I'm not sure what's going to happen next year, I feel the need to hang on to it. And the great, the Advent confidence, what we see here in Luke, the main thing about God that we see is that God always keeps his promises. Now that doesn't promise that we're going to have good health. It doesn't promise that I'm going to get $100,000 next year. It doesn't even promise that my kids are going to grow up and become mature and responsible adults and have a great relationship with me for the rest of their lives. But it does tell us that God keeps his promises. It tells us that God will be faithful, that when he says he will give us everything we need, he kept that promise once and he will keep it again. And so we can rest secure in what we have been given. And while it may not, we may not know everything we want to know, we do know everything we need to know to walk through this life in love and obedience. So what's the main, if the main thing this tells us about God is that God always keeps his promises, what's the main thing that we need to do? We need to repent and we need to believe. This is what it says in verse three, John the Baptist was preaching. He went into the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It says in the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus came, he said, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. It's the fundamental message. What do we need to do in response to our promise-keeping God? What do we do if we have this Advent confidence that God will keep his promises? We repent and believe. We trust that it is true. We trust that God is keeping his promises. And we turn from our fear. We turn from our disobedience. We turn from our selfishness. And we walk and we step out in love, in faith, doing the things that God has called us to do, serving other people with reckless abandon. But in order to do that, in order to, in order to walk in that repentance and belief, we need to be more sure of this Advent confidence. So what does the scripture give us? as reasons to be sure. What does it give us to explain how God always keeps his promises? I would say we see three things here in Luke chapter 3, especially when we combine it with Malachi 
chapter 3 that we read earlier. The first is that God comes in space and time. The second is that God comes in the midst of hardship. And the third is that God comes to set all things right. God comes in space and time. God comes in the midst of hardship. And God comes to set all things right. Right. These are the ways in which God keeps his promises and assures us that he is the promise-keeping God. And so we see this first in John chapter, in, in the first three verses here, in verses one, to, uh, one and two, the first two verses, we see that God comes in space and time. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. Why? Why all these names? What Luke is doing here is saying, look, this happened at a particular time. Luke is not presenting us an abstract set of principles. He's saying at a particular time in history, this happened. Go, go look it up. Go look it up. It was the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar. We know exactly when this happened. Who was governor here? Who was governor there? Who was high priest? We know when this happened. And this is the beautiful part. It is a beautiful aspect of our promise-keeping God. It is not just a matter of some philosophical principles. You know, love others the way you would love yourself. It's just a nice philosophical principle. But God gives us more than that. He comes and acts in space and time. And so what, what do we do with this, this, this reality that God has acted? What we can do then is we can, we can look for the real story. We look for the real truth and we can have confidence in it. You may be here this morning, you may be thinking, I, I, don't, I just don't know. So much has happened over the past two years. Is God really there? When we look at the world around us, it's easy to wonder, is God really there? And what I would urge you this morning is to dig in and investigate. We've talked about it before, about what it means to investigate the truth. These things that were written down in Luke, these really happened. And you can go and check out the historical sources and say, yes, this man, John, he was preaching in the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar. It's not just here in the Bible, it's in other sources as well. You can check out the facts about Jesus and you will find to, to buttress your confidence, to, to strengthen your faith, that, that the death and resurrection of Jesus is actually one of the best attested facts of ancient history. There's simply no other explanation for how history fits together than this man Jesus really lived preached for a few years, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. It happened. You can look it up. You can figure it out. You can explore that for yourself. And so I would encourage you to do that. Maybe whether you've ever put your faith in Jesus before, whether you've never put your faith in Jesus, and you're like, is this true? Check it out. Explore. Maybe you have, but you're doubting with all that has gone on. Check it out again. And if you know that Jesus rose from the dead, if that is true, then everything else falls into place. That's what I come back to when I doubt. I say, is this really worth it? Is this life of a Christian really worth it? 
to serve other people, to give away money, to spend my time, to spend my life trying to serve and do these things for other people, for the, the glory of God. Is it all worth it? Is God really out there? I say, well, Jesus rose from the dead. What other explanation is there? And so then, I, if, if that happened, if that really happened, if God kept that promise, I got to line everything else up with that. That's the straight line, and I line up along it to say this is where I'm going to go, to turn from my own ways to his ways, because he came in space and time. But the other thing we see in these names, and we see back in Malachi, is that God comes in the midst of hardship. See, these names here don't just tell us historically when this happened. They do tell us that. But they're also a reminder that things are not as they should be. For the people of God, it is not good that we are judging things by the reign of Tiberius Caesar. It is certainly not good that Pontius Pilate is the governor of Judea. Judea, that's God's country. It should be ruled by God's king. And instead, it is ruled by Roman governors and their puppets, Herod and his brother Philip and Trachonitis. All of these, is God's puppet, puppet or it's, it's Roman puppets, not God's king in charge right now. So God comes in the midst of hardship. We see that back in Malachi as well. So behold, uh, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. We are crying out, wanting God to return. He comes in the midst of hardship. But even when he comes, verse 2 of Malachi chapter 3, who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. So God comes in the midst of hardship. He recognizes where we are in the midst of our hardship. But his coming doesn't automatically make everything easy. Because he comes to refine us. To make us good and right. But knowing that that's what's happening makes all the difference. Remember that the calendar, if we could just check off the days, if we could know that there's an end point to our, our pain and our suffering, we could endure it much more easily. When I lived in St. Louis, um, we had a number of small children, and all of our friends there had a number of small children. A number of you have a number of small children, so you may identify with this. But I, at one point, some point, I don't remember exactly why, but we had to ask our neighbor to babysit our kids. And so altogether, she was going to be having like four or five kids under the age of two. It was going to be a little crazy. And I said, Missy, are you, are you sure you're going to, is this going to be okay? Like, you're going to be able to handle this? She said, ah, I can do anything for an hour. And it stuck with me. And I was like, yeah, I can do anything for an hour. I can do anything if I know that the end time is coming. And so here in the midst, when God comes in the midst of our hardship, in the midst of our suffering, the promise of God is that there is an end point to our suffering. And so we can do this. We can do this for an hour. We can do this for a day. We can do this for a month. We can do this for a year. We can even do this for a lifetime because God is telling us that our lifetime on earth is actually short in the scheme of things. And there is an end to this suffering. And when we know that there is an end to our suffering and a hardship, when we know that there is a bigger picture of an eternal life that will go on forever and ever and ever, full of glory and goodness, then we can look at our suffering rightly. 
And instead of saying, Lord, can I just get out of this? Can I just be done with this? We can say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in the midst of this? Because we know that he comes with the refiner's fire. He is making us pure and holy. And so we can look at the hardship that we're in the midst of and say, Lord, teach me. I'm here to learn. I know this suffering has an end point. I know you are coming back. I know you keep your promises. What do you want me to learn right now? Because I can do this for an hour. I can do this for a lifetime. Because I have an eternal life that will be full of glory and goodness. So teach me. Use me now for your good. So God comes in space and time, a real part, real history, something solid you can grab on. God comes in the midst of hardship, and God comes to set all things right. This is verses 4 to 6. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Does it seem that things in this world are not the way they should be? Yes. Things are crooked in this world. And it seems like there is little hope for making it right. If we're talking about children and children's toys, you remember the slinky? You know, slinkies are fun, right? They go down the the steps real nicely. But what happens when a slinky gets twisted? Has anybody ever tried to put a slinky back? It doesn't work. You get that slinky all twisted up, and you cannot put that thing back. Even if you get it, even if you get it right, it's still, it's not tight anymore. It does not spring. And to us, the world looks like a slinky that is out of whack. And there is no putting it back. But our Advent confidence is that God is the one who can do that. He can take even those slinkies and put them back to where they will spring again. All the the crooked places shall be made straight. The rough places shall be made low. And we will see the highway on which God is coming, making all things new, making all things right. How can we be really sure that this world is not the end of it. Because God acted once. God acted in space and time. He kept that promise. We feel like we're waiting. God's people were waiting. They were waiting and waiting and waiting. Back when Malachi said, the Lord whom you seek, you know, he will come. How about you wait hundreds more years? And then John came and said, guess what? Promise kept. God is coming. And he's going to make all things right. He sees your hardship. He's going to use that. He's going to use that to make you holy. He's going to use that to turn you to be more like him. He's even going to use that to accomplish his purposes. He's going to make all things straight. All things right. Because God is powerful enough to do that. And he uses us to do it. He uses his people to make all things right. Through our little acts of obedience and repentance and belief and faith. Because God keeps the promises. Because God is mighty and powerful. He can put all that together. Even when we don't understand it. We just turn and we do what is put in front of us. We serve, we love, knowing that God has kept his promises. And God will keep all his promises in the future. Would you pray with me?
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you that you kept your promises. And in this Advent season, as we remember the promises that you have kept, we remember the promises that you have still made and are keeping now. We pray that you would give us this confidence in our hearts that we may know you and follow you and serve you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.